Hey everybody, welcome back to the Financial Freedom Show. My name is Rob Berger. Today we're going to be taking a look at a viewer's portfolio. His name is Kurt. He sent it in to me. This is a portfolio that was created by an investment advisor. This is someone he's paying. Now, just a, a video or so ago, we looked at how to simplify a portfolio. And there we looked at another portfolio that an advisor had put together that included 11 different funds. And we sort of questioned, boy, do we really need that many? We're going to kind of do the same thing today, but our focus is going to be on fees. And I'm going to show you just how much in wealth you can lose to investment fees. And I'm going to show you a tool, personal capital, uh, that I use and that I think is a great tool to analyze your fees. So we're going to look at the portfolio, get a sort of an understanding of the fees, the impact those fees will have on uh, wealth over time, and then some things you might be able to do to reduce the fees. So with that, let's get right to it. And I'm going to start in personal capital. This is just a demo account that I created for videos like this. And the portfolio we're actually going to look at today is um, I'll show you in investing and then allocation. I think that's the easiest way to look at it. And I need to select just that portfolio. And here it is. And so there we go. That's the portfolio. We'll look at individual investments in a minute. But this gives us a high level view in personal capital. Uh, to uh, the portfolio. We can see down here it's got 58, 59% in US stocks, about 17% in international stocks, uh, and then the rest more or less in bonds and cash, uh, a little bit in alternatives, which would be largely, we can actually look at it, mainly real estate. And uh, so it's roughly an 80 uh, 20 uh, portfolio. Now, one of the things I like to do before we even get to the fees, if we look at US stocks, uh, we can just see, get a high level view of how it's allocated. And this seems to be, when you look at this, I would, if I didn't know better, I would say, well, this is, they just own a total U.S. stock market fund. It's predominantly large cap, uh, like a VTI from Vanguard, for example, or a Fidelity fund would be similar. Uh, it's got a little, some mid cap, but not as much. And then even smaller, small cap, and it's evenly distributed between primarily core holdings and then some value and some growth. So if I, I didn't know better, I'd say, oh, this is just one, one fund for the U.S. stocks, probably a, a total uh, stock market type of fund. Well, turns out that's not quite right. Uh, and what I want to do is show you the retirement fee analyzer. So you go to planning, retirement fee analyzer. And again, I have to, if, if this were your own uh, account and you linked your accounts, uh, then you wouldn't have to do this each time. But I've got a bunch of different portfolios in here. So I have to make sure I've got the right one selected. Here it is. And here are the funds. So we have this Dodge and Cox income fund and its expense ratio is 0.43% or we would say 43 basis points. Remember, 100 basis points uh, would, be, would be equal to 1%. We have this uh, Columbia dividend, and I can close this up. Here we go. Columbia Dividend Income Fund, GSFTX. It's charging 69 basis points. Uh, we've got the Oakmark Fund. Uh, it charges 92 basis points. And by the way, we could look at any of these funds in Morningstar, another tool that I use. Here's the Oakmark Fund. And we can see it's predominantly U.S. stocks. It's large cap with a slight tilt towards value, right? So we could do that for each of these. Uh, but we're going to focus on, on the fees. And then we have this, I guess it's Parnassus, if I'm pronouncing it right, core equity. I think this tilts a bit towards growth, 86 basis points. And then VU, which is just the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund, you can see it only charges three basis points. 
and then uh, an international fund. Again, it's a Vanguard fund, but it's focusing on growth. Uh, Vanguard and, and Fidelity and other companies offer very low cost uh, international index funds that would cover sort of the entire uh, uh, spectrum of international stocks. This one focuses just on growth. And um, it turns out there aren't really what I would call really inexpensive international growth funds. Uh, around uh, uh, 33 basis points roughly is about as inexpensive as I could find. So when we look at these percentages, uh, you know, they might not seem so bad. They're all under 1%. Some are as, as low as three basis points. But the real question is, what is our overall weighted average, right? We can't simply add up these expense ratios uh, and have a meaningful number because this 43 basis points only gets applied to how much is invested in that fund. In this case, a little over 110,000. And then this 69 basis points gets applied to 82,800 and so on. We could obviously do that, you know, with some uh, with a, a, a piece of paper and a pencil, but personal capital does it for us. And we can see it right up here. Uh, this portfolio that's weighted average is 51 basis points. Now, let me stop there, particularly if you're new to investing, that probably doesn't seem like much. And as portfolios go, I've seen a lot worse, that's for sure. Uh, but we do want to keep the, our fees as low as possible uh, because those fees come out of our investments. And in some ways, that's a problem. It, it would, In some ways, it would be better if mutual fund companies and financial advisors actually invoice us every single month and maybe charged our credit card or debited our bank account if, however we wanted to pay. And we got an invoice every month with our fees. But we don't do that. It quietly comes out of our investments every month or perhaps every quarter we don't even know it. They, they don't even give us a statement in our account that says they've done this. Hey, we just took thousands of dollars from your account. It happens without knowing it. And when you add that 51 basis points, 0.51%, nah, it doesn't seem that bad, right? Well, let's take a look. That's what personal capital does for us. I've assumed an age of 42. I don't actually know how old Kurt is. And what this tracks is uh, how much uh, we'll pay in fees between that age, again, if, if this were your account, you'd of course have whatever your, your own age, and when we're going to retire. So I just assume 65. By the way, if you're using personal capital, you can change all these assumptions here. You can put your birth date here. You can change when you're going to retire and so on. Uh, now, the other thing I've assumed is that we're not going to make any annual contributions. We, we'll change that in a minute, but I'm assuming we're not going to add anything to this. We've got a little over 500,000 and that's all we're putting in. We're going to assume this is not a retirement plan at work. There's no employer match. We're going to assume what I think is a, a, a modest uh, return of 7.5%, given that this is an, a roughly 80-20 portfolio. And for the moment, we're going to assume no uh, investment advisor fees. Kurt is actually paying 1%, so we'll come back to this. So with all of those assumptions, between now and age 65, so that's, what, 23 years, we'll actually spend in fees... $277,000. Now that may seem impossible, but here's what this fee calculator is doing. It's not only taking into account the 51 basis points uh, charged against a roughly $500,000 uh, $500, portfolio, which would be what? Roughly $2,500 uh, in the first year. Of course, that's each and every year for 23 years. But what personal capital also shows us is given this growth assumption, we're going to lose returns on that 2,500. It comes out of our account. 
It goes into our advisor's account or our mutual fund company's account. And so when you factor in not only the fees that we pay, but the, the loss of compounding, you can see the red line. Over time, it really starts to add up and we get to over a quarter of a million dollars. And I know you're thinking, Rob, that sounds impossible, but it's not. I, I trust the, the math behind personal capital and I've done some of the math myself. It really is uh, unbelievable. Now, let's change the assumptions. Let's imagine that Kurt's going to, this is an IRA maybe, and he's going to contribute 6,000 a year. There we go. Well, that quarter of a million roughly jumps to 303,000 because we're of course contributing more money. Uh, and so uh, the account's growing, that's good, but we're also paying more in fees. Now, the real big fee though, the one that really gets us is that investment advisor fee. He pays 1%, which is I think industry standard. I've looked at some of uh, the most prominent uh, investment advisors out there, think Fisher Investments or Rick Edelman's firm. And um, you know you can look at their firms, their fees change from time to time, but um, I've seen fees as high as 1.75%, depending on how much you have uh, invested. I've seen 1.25% commonly. So, uh, you know, 1%, uh, I hate to say is, is probably, certainly I would say average, uh, but plenty of advisors charge more. So anyway, let's look at what 1% will do. What's your guess? Our current fees are 300,000, we'll call it. What's, what's that gonna go to when we, we take this to 1%? Well, let's find out. $814,000, again, I know that seems almost impossible, but remember, just this fee alone, forget these fees down here, right? Just the advisor fee is 1% on a half a million dollar portfolio, uh, and in this case, assuming a $6,000 annual contribution, but just on the half a million dollars alone, the advisor is taking $5,000 the first year. And of course that fee is annual. So every single year, the advisor is taking 1% of the investments and over uh, 23 years, long time, but certainly you know we invest for longer, hopefully, but just over just the 23 years, we haven't even talked about what happens once we retire. We're losing $800,000 uh, in fees. So what you might say, okay, Rob, look, I appreciate that. Appreciate the math, appreciate personal capital, terrific. What in the world do we do about it? Well, I'm gonna give you some suggestions. The first is try to find an advisor that doesn't charge 1%. There are advisors out there that will charge 50 basis points. Now that's still a lot of money, but if we were to lower this to just 50 basis points, just like that, we save you know a few hundred thousand bucks. It's a big difference. Vanguard, they charge 30 basis points for their advisory services. That's an option. Let me see if I can get it to 30, maybe, there we go. So now you're down to 467, but again, still a lot of money, uh, but there are options. And you can also go with a, an advisor that simply charges an hourly fee. And I really think that is, if, if you're comfortable with that approach, I think that's probably the best way to get help because you know, you pay a few hundred bucks per hour for a few hours a year. That's really all, all that you need. You have them look at your asset allocation. He or she's going to talk to you about your situation, look at your finances, come up with a plan you're comfortable with, and you can put your money in those funds and you don't have to do much. You know, it's one thing I told my wife recently. If something were to happen to me, she shouldn't feel like she's got to run off and do something with our investments. They can sit where they are, honestly, for years. So uh, an hourly advisor, uh, or perhaps 
uh, one that it does charge assets under management, but much, much lower than 1%. That's the first thing that you can do. The second thing you can do is find alternatives to some of these funds that are a lot less expensive. Now, I'm very familiar, particularly with Dodge and Cox and Oakmark. These aren't bad funds. They're just really, really expensive. And the odds of these funds beating their respective indexes by the amount of their fees is, uh, I think, a long shot at best. Now, the question becomes, how do you find funds uh, to replace some of these? Well, well, I'll use one example. Before I do, though, I recently published a video. Here it is, three ways to simplify your investment portfolio. You can just search for it in the channel. I would highly recommend that video. Uh, it will uh, sort of walk through this, but we can take a look at one. We'll just look at Oak, Oakmark Fund Investor Class. This is a well-known fund. And when we put it into Morningstar, just added it right up here, the ticker, and I, I found it here, and I went to the portfolio. We can see it tilts a little bit towards value, but it's basically a large cap fund. Uh, and we um, come down, we can see uh, their top 10 holdings. We can actually look at their top 24 holdings uh, if we want to. One approach would be to say, well, look, for all of our U.S. stocks, not just uh, Oakmark, but for Columbia and for, for Parnassus, let's just keep things simple. We'll go with either a Vanguard S&P 500 fund, uh, could be Vanguard, could be Fidelity, could be a Schwab, or a total U.S. stock market. That would personally be my um, approach. But if we wanted to find a, a comparable fund to this one uh, that tilts towards value, uh, one option would be a Schwab fund. It's one that we've talked about a lot on the show, Schwab U.S. Dividend Equity. Uh, and we can see its fees. Uh, it's very inexpensive, just six basis points. And we will look at the portfolio. It's comparable. This actually tilts even more towards value. Now, what you could do is go to now Portfolio Visualizer. This is another tool uh, that we've used in the past. And I was actually looking at it with a different fund. But we'll go with uh, the OAKMX, the Oakmark fund. Here it is. And we can compare their performance. This goes back uh, 10 years. And um, you can see they're very, very comparable. And actually, in this case, Oakmark beat it out by just a little bit af after fees. Although you can see uh, it's been back and forth, back and forth uh, uh, for some period of time. And of course, we could just compare Oakmark to an S&P 500. And uh, if we did that again over the last decade, actually, the S&P 500 outperformed. And so there's a good example of, you know, a very simple low-cost alternative uh, that outperformed um, this more expensive mutual fund. Now, of course, we don't know what the future holds, and that's not a guarantee that the, an S&P 500 will continue uh, to outperform uh, uh, any particular actively managed fund or Oakmark in this uh, case. But it does raise the question: Why is the advisor? Uh, putting us in an expensive fund. What's the rationale, particularly if uh, over the last decade, a simple investment in, in the, in the S&P 500 uh, index fund uh, would have not only outperformed, but would have done so, as you can see here, with um, a lower standard deviation, meaning more, a lower volatility in the price. Uh, keep in mind that these balances and the returns are net of uh, the expense ratios uh, that we, you know, we've been looking at. Again, I think the question I would have for the advisor is, why am I in four different funds that target large U.S. companies? 
and, and, and that charge with the exception of VU this high of an expense ratio? Can't we simplify this? Again, a question for the advisor. But the point is, you can find index funds for each of these, whether it's a total stock market or if you want uh, one that tilts towards value, uh, you, you could do that as well, like we just looked at. And you're going to get very comparable risk and returns, but for a lot uh, less money. Well, there you go. I hope that that helps. Again, I like personal capital a lot. I'll leave a link to it below the video. Uh, its fee analyzer, I think, is phenomenal because it doesn't just show you the fees of each fund, but actually allows you to model it along with any fees your advisor charges you and to, to see how those fees will affect your wealth uh, over, over time. And so, um, again, uh, you've got to keep your fees as low as you can while still achieving your investment objectives. It's, it's, it's probably the easiest way to do as little work as possible and increase your long-term wealth. At least that's my view. If you have any questions, uh, leave them below the video. I'll help you out any way I can. Until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is not financial freedom for your advisor. Mm, no, no, no. It's financial freedom for you.